0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. This is chapter 11 and verse one. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Sheena and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make, a, may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this. Then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over the whole earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now this scripture has been for us always an incredibly significant scripture in our Arise journey. If we're jumping into the text, we're only 11 chapters into the Bible. This is after the flood. Noah has gone through the flood waters of judgment, come out the other side. The earth is in the process of being repopulated and reestablished, and the Bible tells us that in this journey, people set out from where they were and they journeyed eastward. As they were journeying eastward, they reached a certain place and they thought, we love it here, this is a great place. Yeah. They are now distant, not only from their origin, but distant from their God. And never forget, my friends, that no matter how far you journey in life, there is a God who goes with you no matter where you go. They have journeyed a long way. They have reached a certain point where they are now distant from God and pride begins to overtake them. Now, if there is one great detriment of pride, it is that pride makes you and me want to build a name for ourselves instead of building a name for God. Pride will exalt the self over the glorification of our God. And if you want your life to be set up for success, then know this. If you will give your life to the glory of God, then God will give his life to you. In verse four, the Bible says that they reached a certain place where they began to have a conversation amongst themselves. And this is what they said. Come, let us build ourselves. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heaven so that we may make a name for ourselves. Us, ourselves, we, ourselves. In other words, we've got here the plural version of me, myself, myself and I. The Bible says in verse five, God comes down and He says, I'm gonna have a look and see what these people are up to in their little journey of me, myself, and I, or we, ourselves, and this city that we're building. And in verse six, God makes an observation about a people who are now distant from Him, about a people who are now full of pride, about a people who are about a journey of their own making. And in verse six, God makes an observation of His creation that completely blows me away. In verse 6 of Genesis 11, God said that if as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. God watches this people that have only just come a few years or centuries out of the floodwaters of judgment have now reached a place where they are distant from God. They share a common speech. They have a common ancestry. They are literally united in a cause together. And God says, my gosh, look at these people created in my own image Given potential, given capacity, given the faculty of dream and understanding, do you realize this morning that you've been created in the image of God? That you're not a weak little nobody, but you're actually a powerful person? Did you know that you can do something great with your life, that God's given you power and ability? That, that, that literally the potential to achieve something great lives on the inside of you and me? And God looked down at this group of people who share a commonality of purpose, a commonality of language, a commonality of, 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 of origin and of identity. And He said these words. He said, If as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, well then nothing they plan to do will ever be impossible for them. And it's almost like God is blown away at the power that he finds within his own creation. God is literally saying, this is a truly unified people. And a truly unified people have no limits to what they might be able to do. And friends, it was many, many years ago when I first read this verse in the journey of our church and the verse captivated me. The verse awakened something within me. I wanna be honest, this verse challenged me because in this verse, we discover the tremendous power that is available to a people who possess unity. God literally says, when you've got a truly unified people, then nothing is impossible for them. If they can come together with one purpose, then they can change the world. If as one people speak in the same language, they've started out doing this, well then they can do anything they choose to do. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my life to count for a little bit. I don't wanna have a lot that's impossible for the church. I'm not dreaming of my family and thinking that my family would be unable to even just make it through the week. I want a family full of dreams. I wanna be part of a church full of desire. I wanna be part of a cause that achieves something great on this planet for our God. Come on, do you wanna be part of that in Whangarei this morning? How about in Hamilton? How about in Carpentry? How about in the Hutt Valley? Or in the city of Wellington or in Dunedin? Our apologies for your loss. But the truth is, my friends, that no matter where you are, I believe God has got potential on the inside of us. He's got a great purpose in mind for His church. We are not supposed to be a remnant surviving until Jesus comes back. I don't want to be part of a kumbaya club who are labelling the problems of the world as being too great for us to solve them. I want to be part of a group of people building something awesome for the cause of God, daring to believe that we can make a difference, reaching for higher heights, aspiring to greater limits. And if we're going to be that people, then God literally looked down and He said, if you've got one people, if they can speak the same language then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Oh, it's the discovering of the power of unity. It's important that you and I know about our God that God is in unity. I mean, we talk about this crazy thing called the Trinity, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He is three indistinct personalities, yet the three are in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Godhead three in one, the Trinity, and because God has no independence, no separation, because the Son doesn't get up in the morning and say, more glory to the Son, less glory to the Father, because the Holy Spirit never woke up any day and said, well, I want to do my own thing, and I'm not going to outwork the Word of the Son, but because the Father commands it, and the Son obeys it, and the Holy Spirit empowers it, and because the three are in one, never separating, never drawing towards the other, never concerned when the Father gets glory of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit gets the credit for the mission of the Father, because they are three in one. They have limitless power to do whatever they choose to do. God has no limits. If you believe it, give me a little yes. And because of that, my friends, we discover that even in God, God exists and is empowered because of unity. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Moses spoke to Israel and he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now in the, in the dictionary, the word unity literally means to be one, not multiple, no competing agendas, no separation, no, no division, not, no pulling towards the individual, the two become one in marriage, the Bible says. In other words, it's not two become two who decide to be two who live together in the same one habitation. It's saying, no, 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 that doesn't work. That's never gonna have the power in it that God desires. The two have to become one. Did you know about Jesus that when Jesus was crucified on the cross, that whenever a person was crucified, the soldiers that were part of the crucifixion would take their possessions and spread them amongst themselves, and normally they'd take a bit and give it to that person and the equal portion and give it to that person, but when they got to the clothes of our Saviour, they couldn't take the clothing and divide the cloth amongst themselves. And the reason why they cast lots for Jesus' clothing, and you've heard it uh, commemorated at Easter and talked about often, but the reason why they cast lots and they rolled the dice to decide who amongst them was gonna get the clothes of Jesus is because the clothes of Jesus had no seam in the garments, if they had seam in the garments, they would have just given one soldier the arm and another the chest piece and another the back and another because cloth was so valuable in their day. But Jesus' clothing had no seams and it's a picture for you and I of what the church is supposed to be like. That the church is supposed to be like the clothing of Jesus, that it has no division, no seams. Because if you've ever had somebody pull on your shirt and pull on your sleeve, it is the seam where it tears apart. And Jesus said, I will have no division, no separation, no weakness. It's saying this is a call to unity. God points out their unity. He points to it and He says about their oneness, the fact that they are not multiple. He said, these are a people that can do anything they want with their lives. Now, more often in our time, we're more likely to talk about people and to say about them or that family or that church or that business, and we'll say they can't do anything. They could never do anything. And the reason why we say that is because they're fighting and bickering and arguing and complaining and moaning, and they have no sense of unity. But here we've got the Bible literally saying that when you've got unity and the deeper that unity goes then the more those people are going to be able to do anything they want for God. The unity they carried in this passage of Scripture was deemed by God to be too powerful for the people who had a bad direction. God literally looked down and He said, my Lord, this is one people They speak in the same language, they can do whatever they want, but their direction is poor and their, their purpose is bad, and where they're heading is gonna take them in a world full of pain. So God literally looked down and He said, these people have no limits. These people can dream and turn it into reality. These people can achieve the most amazing things. So we better go down and let's confuse their languages. Let's retard their progress. Let's inhibit their movement. Let's slow down their advancing. God said, I'm gonna take away their unity so that it will slow down the process of what they are achieving It is like somebody saying, I know you're heading in the wrong direction, so I'm going to do everything I can to prevent you doing something that will cause you harm. And so God reached down, and in this moment, He confused their languages. And in the Bible, this is a defining moment. This is Genesis chapter 11 and the very next verse after the one I read out this morning is the beginning of the build up to Genesis chapter 12 where the journey of Abraham begins and the journey of Abraham continues through until Joshua took them over into the promised land which has been our series for the last little while. But you hopefully know now after so many installments in the new normal series that Joshua in Hebrew is Jesus in the Greek. And that journey reached a point of conclusion with Joshua. But it, when it came to Jesus, it reached a whole nother point of conclusion. Right. Joseph, Joshua sorry, brought Israel into the promised land. Jesus brought us into the promises of God. Right. And in John 17, Jesus prayed. And in verse 11, He said, May they be one, Father, as we are one. In right. verse 23, Jesus prayed and he said, May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. One people, same language, no limit to what they can do. Jesus said, I want them to have complete unity because then the world is going to realize something. In other words, when they get unity, they're going to be able to do something. And I believe that God wants you and I to really consider this concept of unity, that it is a biblical mandate, a character of our God, something that as believers, we have to let go deep into the person that we are. And if you're taking notes, I want to give you six points this morning. And number one, the place of unity is the place of possibility. The place of unity is the place of possibility. God literally said about these people that nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. When you've got unity, that's the place of possibility. Do you believe that today? That when you have unity, nothing is impossible. But when you have disunity, everything is impossible. And disunity has the potential to diminish the possibilities of any environment or people or church or family. And if God wants anything for His people, He wants unity because He wants our lives to count for something great for His purpose and for the glory of His name. So he says we need unity so that we can get back the sense of possibility. In fact, in the book of Daniel, you'll see in Daniel chapter two, Daniel had a vision of a statue and the, the head of the statue was of gold and the, the chest and the arms were of silver and the, the torso was of bronze and the legs were of iron and the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. They were molded together. And in Daniel chapter two, verse 43, Daniel interprets the dream by saying to Nebuchadnezzar that just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay and the feet of the statue, Statue. So this people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In other words, Daniel is speaking prophetically, interpreting this vision, and he is saying, Whenever you've got a group of people who are iron and clay, whenever you've got a people who are together but they're not, their unity is superficial when they're here but they're not really here. when they're they're together but the unity doesn't run deep, well, that people have got no chance of ever remaining together or ever achieving anything great for God. Their disunity decreases their possibility. And I want you to know, my friends, that the devil cannot defeat the church externally. I mean, in the time that I've been the pastor of this church, we've faced more obstacles than in the entirety of my life before becoming the pastor of this church. We've faced so many obstacles and challenges in just about every form that you can imagine yet I've watched my life, our family, I've watched the church continually overcome everything. that You watch the devil, he'll throw fiery darts at you, but the Bible says you need only stand still and you will see the salvation of God. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are just those who stand. Having done all, still stand. If you'll stay standing, then you'll watch the fiery darts of the enemy come at you and fall to the side and come at you and fall to the side. And then over time, we begin to discover that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Do you believe that today? And I want you to know that the devil can never defeat the church externally. And it's not the external challenges that challenge the church. It's not the prince of the power of the air or the current moral climate or whatever values are in vogue in our society today. The greatest threat to the church is not out there. It's in here. It's disunity. Disunity will destroy the potential of the church quicker than the prince of the power of the air could ever have a shot at us. In fact, if you check out in the book of Numbers, chapter 23, there's a, there's a king by the name of Balak and he looks at Israel and he's so afraid of them. And he says, I've got to do whatever I can to take down this Israelite people. So he hires a prophet, a prophet for hire, and his name was Balaam. And he said, Balaam, I want you to come and I want you to curse the Israelites. But the Bible tells us that when Balaam got there, he went up to a high place, he offered up his sacrifices, he looked out at Israel attempting to curse them. But as he looked at the people of Israel, he opened his mouth to curse them. And this is what he said, I see a people apart who do not consider themselves one of the nations. I see a people who are so unified in their national identity they are not divided. They are not part world and part kingdom of God. They're not part in and part out. I see a people who are apart and they do not consider themselves one of the nations. He said to Balaam, I could open my mouth, but the curse would have no effect. And I want you to know that when you've got unity in the church, my friends, that there is no prince in power, no curse that will alight, no spiritual force that can stop us. When we've got unity, there is no limit to the church's possibility. Come on, if you believe it, give God some praise. So the Bible says that three times Balaam tried to curse the Israelites and three times God would not give him a curse to say. And then finally, as Balaam was heading home, he wanted to receive his money from his work that he was there to do. So he said to Balak, he said, I can't use God. I can't use a curse, but this is what you could do. You could send the hottest chicks in your camp into the Israelite camp and get them to to intermingle. If you can destroy the unity of the Israelite people, then you can take them out because there is no external force that can stop the church. But when we allow internal things to become our problem, that's the limiter of the church. That's why the New Testament is just alive with a theme. See that there be no divisions, no strife, no envy, no malice, no gossip. Did you know that slander is one of the Ten Commandments? Did you ever thought to consider that God judges slander as equally as He does murder? That God is literally looking for a unified people because He doesn't want you and I to be a divisive people. He wants us to be unified, one of heart and purpose. Why? So that we can do something great for God. Number two, the place of unity is not only the place of possibility. The place of unity is the place of power. In Psalm 133, God looked down uh, and speaking through the Psalmist, He said how good and pleasant it is where brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running over Aaron's beard, running down the collar onto his robes. It is is as if as the Jew of Hermon, which was a mountain that was often covered in Jew, were falling on Mount Zion, not often covered in Jew. For there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore. God is saying, when you've got unity, then I'm gonna pour out oil. And oil speaks in the Bible a power. In fact, in the book of Acts chapter two and verse one, speaking of the day that the power of the Holy Spirit visited the church, it said they were in all together in one accord in one place. In one accord in one place in one purpose, in one mind, in one heart. In other words, they were all in unity in the same place and in that environment is where the power of the Holy Spirit fell. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, that if any two or three of us agree, if we can get unity about anything and ask for it in the name of God, that it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. If any two or three of you agree about anything you ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. When we've got unity, there we've got power. Number three, the place of unity is the place of peace. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be around a lot of bickering and fighting. How about that? You know, sometimes we've lived with it for so long, we don't even discern its detrimental influence on our lives. But man, when you've got unity, there you've got peace, and we should never underestimate that. In James chapter four, it says, what causes these fights and quarrels? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get what you want. You kill and cover, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, you've fallen into the trap of me, myself, and I. And because you've fallen into the trap of me, myself, and I, you don't have unity. And because you have no unity, you've got quarreling and fighting. That's what the Bible's saying. So if you want a cure to your quarreling and your fighting, then find a place of unity. Change the way that you think. You know, when you walk into a house and there's unity, you can sense the peace in that house, can't you? You ever walked into a room and nobody's arguing, but the moment you walk into the room, you know somebody was arguing? Anybody, any, anybody ever been the person who was arguing and then tried to, tried to mask it when your life group arrived? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, praise God, you know? You just been arguing because dinner was late and no one did the dishes and it's always everybody else's fault. Never happened in my house. I've just been to other houses where, oh no, never my house. Never, never, never. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, but, but the truth is we all know what it's like. Well, do you know what Jesus said? He said, when you enter a town, Speak peace to the town. And if your town abides, then stay there. But if your, your, the town, if your peace does not abide, then don't stay there. Because if there is no unity, there will be no peace remaining. And God wants to visit us, guys. He wants to visit our homes. He wants to visit our lives. He wants to visit our marriage. And 100%, He wants to visit His church. And if he's going to visit his church, he needs unity or his peace will not alight. We should not expect to have selfish ambition or pride or petty jealousies or our own motives or this notion of independence and then rock into church and look for the manifest power of God to fall. A believer will sometimes say, I wish the preaching was more anointed, but the only reason they came to church was to get what they wanted from the preaching. Me, myself, and I will be the very thing that prevents it. If you come to church with a different attitude, then maybe we'll have an increase of power. I mean, oh, come on, somebody turn to the person next to you and say, that was for you, not for me. Just tell them. Oh. Number four, number four, the place of unity. It's a long weekend. I'm going to try go light. Number four, the place of unity is the place of blessing. Psalm 133 verse three says that there the Lord commands the blessing. You know, when Jesus received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came and fell in bodily form on Jesus like a dove. That dove brought blessing to Jesus, brought power to Jesus. But my friends, where you've got unity, that's where the dove will remain. You know, when you've got fighting, doves are fickle. You know, you ever had people yell at a bird? You yell at a bird, it'll fly away. And if you want the power of God to be resident, the blessing of God to stay, then we've gotta reconsider this thing called unity because the dove won't stay where disunity is present. And if we want the power of God to move in our midst, if we want God's blessing to alight upon His people, then we need to be a people of unity. The Bible says in Ephesians four verse three that we should make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Number five, the place of unity is the place of progress. Where you have unity, you empower forward movement. I mean, man, I've seen this in the positive and I've seen this in the negative, how about you? In some marriages, it's like a race. When the pay packet comes in, who can spend the money first? I mean, I've seen it, I've experienced it. We've counseled people through it. Maybe at one time in our marriage we were it, but the truth is that you'll never progress financially if that's your attitude because when it takes unity to move forward, you wanna save for that house deposit, you want your finances to progress, then you've gotta get a unity around what that money is there to achieve, because where there is no unity, there is no progress. You know, the Bible says about the 12 spies that they came back, and even in 12 spies, looking at the promised land, we've been on this for weeks and weeks, that they couldn't agree about what God had and because they couldn't agree about what God had. Their progress was retarded for 40 years. Now listen, I'm 40 years old and I've got another 40 years of believing to be part of what God's doing in His church in this country in some form or function. And my friends, I don't wanna stop here and just hang on the edge of the Jordan and us just enjoying our little manna falling and a little tingle of worship on a Sunday. I'm believing that we can see the church progress in our generation, cross the Jordan in our generation, see the promises of God made real. Watch Revival Fire cover the nation of New Zealand. Start more life groups, start more services. Launch more campuses. Reach lost people for Jesus. Marshal a great army. See a new generation of ministers emerge. Watch the word of worship come higher in our time. Watch the statistics of New Zealand go from whatever percent of Christians up a percent and up a percent and up a percent until people begin to say, the history of New Zealand was altered because church, the people of God, arose with a word of unity. Come on, I'm not playing games. We're not here to go through motions. This isn't rhetoric. We put our life and our promise and our dreams and our finances and our family into a belief that Jesus is still on the move in New Zealand. That the greatest days for the church are still ahead of us and not behind us. Never question that a unified people can and they will do something great for God. Am I talking to anybody who actually believes that when unity is present, God begins to move? And my friends, I believe that God is wanting you and I to come alive with a sense of unity. The place of unity is the place of potential is point number six. And in Deuteronomy 32 verse 20, the Bible says one of you can put a thousand to flight, but two of you can put 10,000. Not two of you can put 2,000, two can put 10,000. Your potential exponentially increases when unity is present. And as we bring this to a close and the worship team join me in every location, let me tell you this. Have you ever considered that God wants unity to be something that we consider for His church? And you know, I've been around church for a long time. I've been a Christian pastor for 25 years. And the whole time I've been a pastor, people have been praying for unity amongst churches. And I'm believing for that. I mean, our church exists to serve the body of Christ in our country, but let me tell you something real, just real fundamental. I mean, I don't mean to be too hard, it's a long weekend, but let me call call a spade a spade. The, The same people often who are praying for unity amongst the churches are not unified with their own church. And I just think that's a futile prayer. Why would God answer the prayer of a hypocrite? I mean, I just we just gotta call a spade a spade maybe, don't we, you know? And just say, God is looking for us to come into a point of unity. Have you ever stopped to consider that when God finds a people of unity that He begins to pour out a great blessing? I love our church family. We've seen God do so much, but I just believe that from Whangarei to Dunedin, in fact, I'm believing for a day, we get to say from Northland to Southland, that from this whole country, God is wanting you and I, and who knows what nations we might impact in the days to come. But God is wanting us to be in one accord, in one place, one of mind and one of purpose. You know, when uh, when when, the, the, uh, when Mordecai spoke to Esther, he said to her, "You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this." And in other words, we all have a role to play in advancing God's cause. Maybe you've come to the church for such a time as this. Maybe you're alive for such a time as this. Maybe the reason why you're breathing oxygen and alive today is because God wants you to be a unified part of a collective dream. He has for New Zealand that it would be a Christian country alive with life and hope and faith and marriages strong and children blessed and addictions gone and divorce rates down and a- abuse rates in decline. Maybe you've come to Jesus' kingdom for such a time as this. Yeah. Nehemiah said to the Israelites, you see the disgrace we are in. Come let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and a group of people with all the potential in the world always existing, that moment arose and began to build. Arise, it's time to arise. As we begin to arise and build the walls of the church, who knows what God could do? Because they rebuilt Jerusalem and made God famous in their generation. How about we decide to rebuild the church? to rebuild the walls, rebuild the lives of people and the strength of families. Living stones coming together to make our God famous in our generation. Who's with me today? Come on, if you believe it, give the Lord some praise in this place together. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.